0: What a great reminder that we worship a way maker and his name is Jesus Christ. And uh, it's my hope that you have a relationship with him, that you know him personally and that you are walking with him. And so this morning, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about. Look in your Bibles at Proverbs chapter five, Proverbs chapter five. We're going to continue our series on the way of wisdom, the way of wisdom. So this morning, uh, we are going to have the talk. Okay. Open your bulletins also. You've probably already noticed that the word sex is in your bulletin more than seven times. Um, so we want to have the sex talk this morning. At this point, you might be saying, all right, you dismissed the kids. You dismissed the youth. Now, can you just dismiss me, please, also, too? Because I'm not comfortable with this. But please don't leave. Uh, this is why we need to have the talk today. Uh, the first reason is this. Number one, it's Father's Day, okay? And if we look at our chapter, chapter 5 of Proverbs verse 1, it says, My son, be attentive to my wisdom. In fact, that's a phrase that's repeated throughout the book of Proverbs, this idea of, of fathers and mothers actually giving instruction to their children. And so what a great reminder on a topic like this on Father's Day that God's design, his primary design to pass on his wisdom and to pass on his ways through the mouths of parents who follow him and know him. And so it's appropriate for us to be looking at this today on Father's Day. And so dads, uh, by example and by your words, uh, we want you to proclaim this message of of purity to your kids. So that's the first reason. Second reason we need to have this talk uh, is because... The Bible has this talk, okay? Uh, throughout the pages of Scripture, we see this issue and this topic coming up over and over again from Genesis to Revelation, actually, throughout that. It's not the only topic. It's not even the main topic, but it's an important topic. And so uh, in the book of Proverbs, for example, we have 31 chapters. And I hope many of you are reading through the book of Proverbs uh, a chapter a day. Get through it in a month. Um, but in the 31 chapters, there are nine chapters at the beginning that are the introduction. Chapters one through nine are really the introduction saying, here's what wisdom is, here's how you walk in wisdom, here's, here's why it's so important for you to know God's wisdom. And out of those nine chapters, three of them deal directly with this topic of sexual purity. Uh, in other words, when it comes to living wisely in the world... Living wisely in this area is incredibly important because it it affects so many other things. Um, So it's an important topic. It's an important piece of the puzzle that God says we can't leave out of our conversation in the book of Proverbs. Third reason why we need to have this talk today uh, is that it's come up in Scripture, but also if you just listen to the voices around you in the world, there's a lot of different voices with a lot of different messages that you could be listening to, right? A lot of different things. A lot of voices telling you and defining for you and redefining for you what is acceptable when it comes to this area of human behavior. Um, Voices that tell you which path is acceptable, which path is desirable, which path is comfortable. And so whose voice are you going to listen to? This morning, I would just urge you as we look at the book of Proverbs, listen to the voice of the Lord. Hear the voice of the Lord, the voice of wisdom. And I love this, uh, you know, he is your creator. And look at the very end of Proverbs 5, Proverbs 5 verse 21 says this, For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. So when you think about all those voices telling you it's okay to do this or it's not okay to do that, Remember that when you get to the end of your life and you face uh, the judge, it's not going to be a jury who votes and says, yeah, the majority of us think this is okay. It says here, a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. And so to me, it's important for us to know what the Lord thinks about this topic. And so uh, it's something we need to look at. And then the very last reason I would say this is, is that not only because um, it's the Lord Jesus, the one who died to set you free from all these sins, that's the one you're going to stand before. But the last reason is this. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. Just catch that little word all in there? It was mentioned twice. You know, there's a lot of different areas in life that we'd like to say, I'm following God in every area, but this area I can kind of do what I think is best on my own. Scripture is full of examples. The news is full of examples of what goes wrong when we try to do things our own way. And so this morning I want you to know you are invited to follow God in this part of your life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him. So this morning, we're going to be talking about this topic of wisdom and sexual purity. And so um, what we're going to do is actually look at the first thing that I want to challenge you with is that we want to embrace God's design for sex, okay? Because chapter 5 of Proverbs, and we're not going to get into detail or or, or things like that, but to set your minds at ease here. But chapter 5 of Proverbs really says... Avoid this temptation because it will distract you from the way of wisdom. Okay, this is a major pitfall on the way of wisdom. Um, and it's really interesting when you read through Proverbs, actually we'll talk about this in some further weeks, a lot of the Proverbs are direct quotes or, uh, share directly say with the Proverbs of ancient Egypt. And so it's really interesting, you run into Proverbs like in Egyptian wisdom that are very similar to this, that say avoid the adulteress or avoid the wayward woman or things that sound a lot like what we're going to read this morning. And so we can say, why is that? Why would even the Egyptians who, who don't worship the, the God that we worship, why would they have some of these things? Well, part of it is when you follow God's principles, everyone benefits by following God's principles. He's the one who designed life. And so we're going to see this morning as we look at this is that God has a design for sex. And God has a design for all these things. And we want to look at that before we look at Proverbs 5. And really, anything outside of God's design in this area, in this area of, of uh, sexual purity, is to be turned away from. That's the invitation of Proverbs. You remember last week, uh, we talked about Proverbs 8 and 9, how wisdom is crying aloud in the marketplace saying, come and follow the ways of the Lord, follow the ways of wisdom. But there's a competing voice, right? The voice of folly. Lady folly is also shouting out, saying, come, take of my things, and it's going to make you happy. What we're going to see is that the way of wisdom is to embrace God's design for sex. And it begins from the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 2. Read these two verses with me. Listen as I read them. Genesis two twenty-four and 25. It says this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. That's all the way back at the beginning of creation. What we see here in this design that God has is that uh, God designed sex and sexual purity to be enjoyed in a marriage between a man and a woman uh, for all of their life. All of Scripture actually points to this, not just the book of Proverbs, not just uh, the Old Testament, not just the New Testament. Altogether, when we look at the whole picture, God says it's one man, one woman for lifetime. Let me make a little caveat here. We're going to talk at the end here is that if you've struggled with this or if you are struggling with any of these things, there's hope for you, right? We worship a way maker. So no matter what you're hearing, uh, I want you to hear there's hope. And so this, uh, when we talk about what is marriage, God says that sex is to be enjoyed in marriage. That's actually the main point of Proverbs 5. Don't look for sexual satisfaction outside of your marriage. So how do we see this? Uh, actually, I want to read a couple of quotes for you. This is actually what Trinity Church believes about what marriage is. Again, if it's supposed to be something that happens within marriage, here's what we believe as a church. This is from our bylaws. Based upon the Holy Scriptures, we believe that God intended marriage to serve as a reflection of the relationship between Christ and the church, and he ordained it to be the original and foundational institution of human society. Accordingly, he established marriage to be a one-flesh covenantal union between a biological male and a biological female that is intended to be lifelong in duration, exclusive by design, and generative in nature." So what that is, that's boiled down a whole lot of scripture into a one really long sentence. Here's one other way you could say it. You could say marriage is a lifelong heterosexual covenant union open to the possibility of conceiving children. I think that captures a lot of what God says about marriage. And it's within marriage that God says, I've given you this gift of sexual union. And that's what we're addressing here in chapter five of Proverbs today. So outside of marriage, God says, sex is not for, not to be enjoyed. So anything outside of marriage, outside of his design would be adultery, sex before marriage, any type of sex outside of marriage, pornography even, or as Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, this is the one that gets all of us, right? Jesus says, if you've had lustful thoughts in your head, you're just as guilty of adultery as anyone who's actually gone out and committed the act. That sounds pretty hopeless, doesn't it? Because who of us hasn't had wrong thoughts? Anything outside of God's design is outside the bounds of wisdom. And so the first thing we're looking at here is that we are called to embrace God's design. And so what I want us to see this morning is a little bit of what God lays out there is, here's my plan for, for, for this gift that I've given you. Next week, we're going to talk about how you actually fight the temptation, okay? How you actually fight against the temptation to, to give in. But this morning is just a look at the picture of what God has designed. And so, uh, a couple things in your bulletin there—you'll see we got uh, four things that sex is. And so, I want to just list these off. These are not original to me. Uh, I had a friend named Joel who actually put these four things together, and I thought about it, and I think you know what this encompasses a lot of what uh, what we're trying to what we're trying to talk about this morning. So, first of all, this: sex is personal. We saw that in Genesis two says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be united to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. And so it's important to realize in Scripture that God says this is between two people, not between two objects. We're not called to look at people as objects when it comes to this. That's why pornography is so harmful. It's called to be between a husband and a wife. And if you've been thinking about this, maybe you've read this chapter in Proverbs already, and you might be thinking about, How could Solomon, the king of Israel, make this statement, right? Solomon had a harem of 500, 1,000 wives. How could he give us a lesson on purity? How could some of these kings have so many wives when they're supposedly the wise ones? Living Uh, David, a man after God's own heart, remember how many wives he had. Well, here's the deal. Even the book of Proverbs, even the wisdom literature in the Old Testament, when it tells us these stories about the kings and how they departed from God's original design, this personal relationship with one wife, from the beginning, that's what it was. One man, one woman, forever. Even these kings, these so-called wise men, when they departed, it was disastrous, right? Uh, Whenever humans try to improve on God's design or modify it or say, we've got a better way, it doesn't end well. And so with Solomon, we see that he uh, he ended up uh, marrying all these hundreds of women, uh, many of whom were not worshipers of the Lord God, and they led him astray. He was led astray by his own choice. David, the same thing. Think of all the chaos he experienced when he uh, had all these wives. Back to God's design. God says sex is personal. It's to be between one man and one woman For the duration of their lifetime. That's the design that he has given us. Number two. Sex is powerful. Okay? Powerful. You might say, what are you talking about here? To help you understand, I want to show you a picture, okay? Here's a picture. How many of you got nervous when I said I was going to show you a picture, huh? Okay. (laughs) This is a picture of my mom and dad and, uh, five of their kids. I'm, I'm in there somewhere. I think I'm over there on the, on the left. Um, for some reason we don't have any family pictures when the sixth kid was in there Isn't that just what happens to the sixth kid you quit taking pictures anyways, but here's the point God gave sex and sex is a powerful thing This is the means by which god has chosen to create human life, right? That's a powerful thing. This is not just something that, uh People do just for fun. This has the potential of creating a human life. That's powerful amazing beautiful I remember in uh, in my sophomore year of high school, my biology teacher, his name was Jerry McClenahan. I still remember this question. He's like, why do you think of all the systems in the human body, Satan chose to use the, the reproductive system as the greatest area of temptation? Fair question, right? Why is that? I mean, because that's one of our primary temptations as human beings is to stray from God's design in this area. And I think the answer is what Proverbs tells us. And as I've thought about that over the decades is if you stray from the path in this area, it can affect you for years. It can affect generations after you uh, because of the lives that can be created. Sex is powerful. You know, it's not just in the area of producing life. Um, Actually, that's how God creates human life. But also we know that others recognize the power of sex and sex appeal, right? Advertisers know how powerful sex is, right? All these advertisements have some form of sex appeal because they know if we can convince people that they'll get what they want, they're going to buy our product. Advertisers figure this out. Politicians figure this out, right? They use this as something they can use to further their agendas and, and to get votes, Even in friendships, of course, that's all negative power of sex. People use sex to get what they want. It's a powerful thing. So God gave it to us as a powerful way of creating life. Here's the third thing. Sex is mysterious. This is something we see in Scripture. Um, The bonding that happens between a husband and a wife through this is something that's just mysterious. Even in the book of Proverbs, look at Proverbs 30, verses 18 and 19. There are three things that are too amazing for me, four that I do not understand, which, by the way, just push pause there. In Proverbs, whenever you see that, where where the the wise person says there are six things and then there are seven, that's a way of saying there's always one more thing, okay? In other words, I think there's a list of seven things that God hates, um, and people will look at that and say, well, I'm not doing any of those seven, so I'm good, right? We'll read the rest of Scripture. There are other things on the list. Uh, But this is a, a way of saying there's at least these four, and there's even more that I don't understand. So here's what they are. Four that I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky. Think about that. To the ancient mind, how can a bird fly? The way of a snake on a rock. How does it possibly move? It's just amazing, beyond understanding. The way of a ship on the high seas. How can something so heavy stay afloat? And the last one, and the way of a young man with a young woman. It's a mystery. How does God create life through this thing called sex? Mysterious. Here's another word, verse that tells us about the mystery of sex, and that is uh, Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. This chapter in Ephesians is God saying, uh, marriage is a sacred thing. Marriage is a picture of Christ's love for the church. And he goes all the way back to Genesis to quote Genesis 2 and says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So every aspect of the love that a husband and wife share in marriage, including sexual love, somehow reflects the mystery of God's love for his church. What a powerful thing. God says, I know you. I know every detail about you. Remember Genesis 2? The man and wife were naked and unashamed. God says, I know every single thing about you, and I still love you. I want to love you. That's a mystery. Sex is a sign of that union between Christ and his church. But here's the fourth thing about sex, and this is where I think a lot of people go off the rails, uh, go down the wrong track, is that... Sex is not the ultimate thing. Sex is beautiful and wonderful. It's a gift from God. It was God's idea. See, sometimes I think churches make you think sex is dirty. It's not. It's a beautiful, wonderful gift from God, but it's not the ultimate thing. How many lives are spent pursuing this as the ultimate thing, being accepted by him or being loved by her? It's not the ultimate thing. You see, when we make this or any other thing an ultimate thing, and we say, unless I have this, I can't be happy, that means we're worshiping it as an idol. And God says, I want you to worship me. I'm the only one worthy of your worship. You trust me, worship me, not this idea of sexual satisfaction. So it's not the ultimate thing. But before we move on into kind of what chapter 5 has to say about this, I want to make a comment here. You know, not all of you, not all of us in this room have experienced uh, God's design in this way. In fact, some of you who are single may have never experienced this at all. But for those of you who've experienced maybe a twisted version of this, abuse or betrayal or you've been taken advantage of or you've made mistakes, uh, know this. You are loved unconditionally by Jesus. He knows everything about you and he still loves you. And never forget that. That's the first thing. When we look at this topic in in Proverbs chapter 5, is to realize that we need to embrace God's design. Embrace God's design and all the good that goes along with it. This is a gift from God. It's meant to be enjoyed in marriage. That's kind of the backdrop for Proverbs chapter 5. Which then brings us to this choice. God says, I want you to choose sexual purity. I want you to choose the wise way. No matter where you are right now, your next choice can be the right one. That's the invitation of Proverbs chapter 5. Choose to be pure. Choose to follow the way of wisdom. And what we're going to see as we kind of walk through this chapter is uh, you have to see that it actually will cost you something. But guess what? It also tells us that if you go the other route, it costs you even more. It costs you even more. Count the cost of going the other way. Uh, Last week, somebody pointed out to me after the sermon, uh, it said, uh, Lady Wisdom is calling out to you. And she says, I've prepared the fine wine. I've killed the fatted calf. Come and feast with me. Follow God's ways. It's like a feast. And then Lady Folly comes along and says, come and eat my stolen bread and drink this Secret water, this water in secret. And it never dawned on me before. Wisdom is offering us a steak dinner with steak and wine. Folly is offering us bread and water. But it sounds exciting, doesn't it? And so as we read through this chapter, realize that even though things sometimes look good, sound good, feel good, it'll cost you more in the end uh, than what God offers you at the very beginning. So, why is this so important? One more question before we go on into chapter five. Why is this such an important issue in wisdom literature and in scripture? Why does this take up three chapters of the intro to Proverbs? If you think about this, I actually think this area of life is important because number one, it affects so many people around you, right? The family is the place where God wants wisdom to be passed on to generation to generation. Not just wisdom. But relationship with him and so if this area is off it can affect so many people but here's the other thing personally i think this area is an indicator of where you are in your walk with christ okay? if you know god's way and you know the wise way you know the way of scripture uh, and you choose to say yeah but i can modify that a little bit it kind of indicates how seriously you take the call to obey your savior and how seriously you take the fact that he died to set you free from some of these things, from all of these things. So it's an indicator of where you are. So here's what we want to do. I want to read through chapter 5 and just point by point here. We'll go a couple verses at a time and just look at some of the contrasts that are set up. And so as we say we are choosing sexual purity, here's what you're choosing. Number one, you are choosing sweetness instead of bitterness. Sweetness instead of bitterness. Here are the verses. My son, be attentive to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding so that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is as bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two edged sword. Okay, go back to that word right there in the middle. It says the lips of a forbidden woman. Who's a forbidden woman? Um, actually throughout Proverbs, you'll see this. Sometimes it calls her an adulterer. Sometimes it calls her a strange woman. Um, but the idea is this, this is someone you're not connected to officially through marriage. Okay. And so uh, when you read this also, you might say, well, does this only apply to like women who might be leading men astray? The principles I want us to see this morning apply to both men and women. Uh, and we're, we'd be Fooled if we said it's only women who lead men astray or vice versa. If we say it's only men who lead women astray, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And so God says, I want to challenge all of you with this, but know this sweetness instead of bitterness is what God offers to you. And so the first point here is this, that it may appear to be delicious. It may appear to be sweet, but in the end, God says, it's not my design and it will bite you. It'll stab you like a double-edged sword. So choose sweetness instead of bitterness. Number two, choose life instead of death. This is in verses five and six. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol, which is the grave. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not know it. So think about this. It's like you have two paths in front of you. You can follow God's way. You can follow the world's way. And a lot of times when you see that choice in front of you, in fact, it doesn't look like death at all. To choose the wrong thing, in fact, looks more attractive than maybe choosing the right thing. But know this, there's, in fact, you might even do this. You might cheat on your spouse and you don't die. You live a long life and nobody ever knows about it. But know this. There's a death that's worse than physical death, right? And that's spiritual death. And when we sin against God, it separates us from him. And our only hope is to be forgiven and cleansed of that sin through Jesus Christ. So if you know Jesus Christ, the question for you is, why would you stray from the path of life? He set you free from these things. Don't stray from it. If you're not sure if you know Jesus, and you're just saying, well, but this looks fine. Everybody else is doing it. Uh, let me just say, it separates you from the God who designed you and created you, who died to save you. And he says, "I can." we're separated through your sin, but there's a path to reconciliation. And that is through your trust in Jesus Christ, the one who forgave all these sins. All right? So choose life instead of death. Third, choose gain instead of loss. Choose gain instead of loss. Verses 7 through 14. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house. Lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength, and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life you groan when your flesh and your body are consumed. And you say how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I'm on the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. A couple things in those verses. Did you notice it says stay away from that path figuratively and literally. Don't walk near the temptation. We're going to talk about that next week. That's one of the tasks for avoiding temptation is keep your distance. Don't see how close you can get. But here's the other thing in this section, this idea of choosing gain instead of loss. You might look at this and you might say, man, it's going to feel so good. It's going to be so good. It's what I want. I'm not getting what I need at home, whatever the case may be. But Proverbs tells us a wise person, a person who fears the Lord, a person who knows the Lord, will count the cost and will say, what is this going to do to me and to my soul in the end? count the cost. What you give away, you can never get back. And so also we see at the end of those verses, you can lose a reputation, right? By by stumbling in this area, by going astray, you can lose a reputation. You can lose opportunities because of this. It's interesting to me that even in our secular society, right? In politics, um, a lot of things people are doing, just all kinds of crazy things. But when a married man or a married woman gets caught in an affair, oftentimes there's still demands that they have to resign because I think even the world knows that it's wrong. Count the costs. Don't lose things. Choose gain instead of loss. And then the last uh, next is pure satisfaction. Choose pure satisfaction instead of polluted pleasure. This goes back to one of those points we made earlier. God designed this to be good and to be enjoyed between a husband and a wife. Listen to these verses. Drink water from your own cistern. Flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad. Streams of water in the street. Let them be for yourself alone. And not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed. And rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, A graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Did you catch that contrast there? There's some pictures given in there. A picture of beautiful, clean, flowing water. A couple weeks ago, we were in the Smoky Mountains. We saw some of these amazing mountain streams gushing with perfectly clear, freezing cold water. I think you could drink it straight out of the stream. Contrast that with water that's overflowed the banks of the river and gone where it's not supposed to go. You remember these images from Katrina when the river came out? Or you name, fill in the blank of any flood, how nasty that water was? In comparison with the free-flowing water from your own well. God says, choose the springs of living water. Choose the clean water. The thing that I've designed is so much more than you could ever experience by going any other route. Pure satisfaction instead of polluted pleasure. Here again is something that we have to realize. A lot of times when you look at the temptation that's in front of you, you might say, it doesn't seem polluted to me. It seems great. And this is where faith comes in to trust that what God promises you and trust that what God tells you is more true than maybe in the way you feel about it. The last thing here, to choose sexual purity in Proverbs 5 is to choose freedom instead of bondage. Choose freedom instead of bondage. Verses 21 through 23. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him and he is held fast in the cords of his sin he dies for lack of discipline and because of his great folly he is led astray you know these verses kind of remind me of this idea of a of a spider that spun its web uh, in fact um we've had a lot of spiders out on the farm here recently i think it's the time of year they're spinning these giant webs between trees And invariably, you'll come along and you'll see all these insects struggling, right? They thought they could fly through the gap or they didn't see the danger. And they're stuck and they become a meal for the spider. In the same way, God says, you can be stuck fast in the cords of sin. This is one of those areas that entices almost every human being who's ever lived. And God says, walk my way, not the way of the world. Because if you do, you'll experience freedom Instead of bondage to sin. So when it comes to wisdom. And sexual purity. Here's a couple questions for you. One is this. What if I have failed in the past? What do I do about that? What if you describe all this to me Marcus. And I'm looking at Proverbs 5. Chapter 6 and chapter 7. And I'm saying I've, I've messed up. If not in action. At least in my thoughts. I've messed up. I still remember. Uh. There was a season in my life where I was struggling with porn. It was in college. And, uh, and I met with a professor at Moody Bible Institute. I asked him to be, um, to basically mentor me, help me get through this. And every time I'd come in and he'd say, Marcus, have you struggled? Did you struggle in this past week? And a lot of times I'd say, yeah, I did. And he would say, well, let me ask you a question, Marcus. Have you asked Jesus to forgive you? First couple of times I was like, well, no, not yet. Pretty soon I caught on. I was like, I'm supposed to do that. And so he said, well, ask Jesus to forgive you. And if you've done that, I have good news for you. You're forgiven. That sin has been cast away. It's been thrown away deeper than the deepest ocean. So if you have failed in the past, have you asked God to forgive you? And if you've you've asked him, know this, he has forgiven you. Here's another question. But what if I'm failing right now? What if I'm doing something outside of God's design and I know it and I don't wanna stop or I don't know how to stop? I would say this, first of all, ask God for help. That's what a church is for also. Find someone in the church who can walk through this with you, who can mentor you, that's the only way. I think that's what God used to help me get over my uh, addiction to porn in college. By God's grace, uh, he set me free from that. Find someone to walk through that with you. And then again, if you know this is something wrong, if this is a sin, repent. Ask God to forgive you. And here's the good news. He will forgive you. That third question, what if I fail in the future? What if I fail in the future? By God's grace, none of us will fail in action but I can almost guarantee you all of us will fail at least in our thoughts. In fact, it doesn't matter whether you're married or single, divorced, widowed, fill in the blank. I had a friend once who led a prayer meeting with uh, with a bunch of older guys, and he said he would ask for prayer requests, and this one guy who was 80 every week said, I'd like to have prayer for evil thoughts. You never outgrow this temptation. So what if you fail in the future? Know this, the blood of Jesus is enough to wash away any sin you commit in the future. Ask him to forgive you. He'll forgive you. He'll remove that interruption in your relationship. Now, that's not a license to go out and do whatever you want because there's plenty of God's blood to cover it. Uh, But know this, God will forgive you. He has forgiven you. He will forgive you. But he invites you to make one choice at a time and walk in wisdom. So when it comes to this issue, here's the third thing we have to remember from our text and from scripture. We must rely on God's grace for forgiveness for our failures and also to keep us from stumbling in the future. Listen to these verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 through 11 says this, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. A pretty depressing statement, right? You might first think, I don't fall into any of those categories. And then he lists off the things like thieves, greedy, revilers. But here's the good news. Verse 11. Such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. If you know Jesus and He's forgiven you for those things you've done in the past, such were some of you. You are no longer that way. That's not who you are. You are a beloved clean, precious child of God. And he calls you to walk in wisdom. I want to invite the worship band to come back on the stage. They're going to lead us in a song just here in a moment. But as they come, here's this verse again, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Now, I showed you this picture last week. When it comes to life, there's a lot of different routes in front of you. Confusing choices. How do I know if I'm choosing the right track, the right path? And that's why we study the book of Proverbs. That's why we look at God's wisdom on this issue in chapter 5. And that's why, as Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Because you see, you have to accept by faith that the greatest pleasure that the world could ever offer you with sex or any other thing can't even compare to the pleasure of knowing and walking with God for all eternity and having a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And that's what I invite you to have. If you don't have that, come talk to me. But know him and walk with him. That's the greatest pleasure you'll ever experience. That's what you were designed for. Will you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your wisdom. God, I pray that you would help us to walk in wisdom in this very important area. God, I pray that Trinity Church would be a place of healing, a place of love and and purity. And God, I just pray that you would receive our worship now as we close this service. In your name we pray. Amen.